I had somebody ask me, uh, man, well, we need to get some license plates with these stickers on them, put them on the front of our vehicles. I was like, no, because then people will be able to identify your road rage. No, thank you. Okay. <laughs> put somebody else's church sticker on your vehicle. It's, uh, so dad fails, dad fails. Let me get, they all seem to revolve around Adeline, my first baby. Um, when Adeline was little, again, that prophetic warning, Chris, if you don't stop, Chris, quit or you're gonna. And, and I like to play this game. Adeline was really, it was really hard to make Adeline laugh. Like my other two, I saw their milk come back up incessantly. And I, it was my fault. I was making them laugh. They were easy to make laugh. And I could literally do anything. Adeline would make you work for it. Like I thought I was really funny and I'd do something that, that would make just about anybody laugh. And Adeline would literally go, that was it. That's all I got. I'm like, really? Golly, I'm killing myself. But one thing she really liked is I could pull her to me and I'd be like, I'm going to get you. And then she'd take off running and I'd grab her again. And Megan would be like, Chris, quit. You're, you're grabbing her too low. So she took off and I grabbed her. Prophetic warning came to pass. I grabbed her too low and I pulled her back. But I pulled her legs out from underneath her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She hit her face on the floor. <laughs> okay, another time Megan says, Chris, don't do that. You're going to hit her head. And I was like, whatever. I take Adeline, I pick her up. I lifted her into the fan. <laughs> but it wasn't the fan blade. It wasn't high enough for that. It was the light bulb. I literally took her up in the air, hit her head on a light bulb. It exploded. It fell on top of her and she starts, she's like, Ah, ah, you know, she's scared because I'm, I kind of made a face. Like Megan always makes a face. But when I make a face, my kids are like, oh gosh, I'm dead. I'm dead. Yes, something's really wrong this time. Um, I made Gabriel, Gabriel cry at three years old playing t-ball. Like he wasn't even supposed to be playing yet. The only reason he got to play is because I was coaching and a ball came at him and he kind of did like that. I was like, dude, catch the ball. What are you doing? Put your glove up. He's like, God, sorry. And I was like, no, man, it, he's okay. All the people that know I'm a pastor, it's good. It's, he's going to be fine. That's not really what you want in your pastor. Emery, I asked her last night, I was like, Emery, what have I ever done? You know, I need you to help me. Like, I know I, I, I've done something silly. She's like, you whipped me when I didn't do anything. I was like, Emery, that has never happened. I did not do that. She goes, I know, but I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> I was like, little Megan, little Megan, that is not fair. It's not right. So, the point is, um, as humans, we, we fail, right? We, we fall short. We miss the mark. But we serve a heavenly father that doesn't fail. In fact, the Bible says he will never leave us. He will never forsake us or fail us. He doesn't miss the mark. He's never been off target because he is the mark. He is the target. And his ways are higher than our ways, our thought, his thoughts higher than our thoughts. And I, I don't always understand why our heavenly father operates the way that he does, but I've learned to trust him. I've learned to trust him beyond the temporary. I've, I've learned to trust him beyond the present circumstance. I've learned to trust that the Father's heart is worth having in my life and letting other people experience through my life. See, when Adeline was born, I, I missed this season. I would let Megan do all the bathing and 
and all the like, I was scared because I was young and dumber and, and I didn't want to mess her up, you know, and, and so I wouldn't, I wouldn't get involved in, in this beautiful thing of bathing a child and, and putting lotion on her and getting her ready for bed. I'd be like, okay, she's ready. Okay, praise God. Give her to me. I can't mess this up. We just rock in a chair. Oh, okay. I got her. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. We rock her in a chair, but I missed that moment and it flew by. And when she was just about five years old, she was one day from being able to go to kindergarten or not being able to go to kindergarten. And I, I leaned down beside her bed and and she was asleep, which is when children are the most beautiful because they're silent. And so I was there. And all the parents said, amen. Okay, so I was laying down right there beside her bed. And she had a little short bed. So I was just laying down on the floor. And, and man, I'm like, I'm, I'm messed up, y'all. First day of kindergarten. Like, I got to get it out of my system. I can't do this in front of people tomorrow. So I'm, I'm laying down in the floor. And, and I realized, like, that season is over. Like, tomorrow morning... She's not going to be here like she has been for the previous four years. And I took it for granted. And I missed some of those moments. And she went to school, and I realized when I come home for lunch, she's not going to be there. And so I, I learned some of those lessons with her, and I, I tried my best to apply them to Emery and to Gabriel. And, and sometimes I feel like I miss moments. Sometimes I, I feel like I lost time. But then I remember that I don't serve a God who is forsaken by time. He's actually in control of time. And the Bible says that I will restore unto you even the years that the locusts had eaten. I will restore unto you everything that you think you've lost as long as you remain in me. You don't lose time when you're in Jesus. It's extended into eternity. It's way beyond the temporary things that you think you missed out on. See, you're storing it up. That's why the Bible says, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth that moth and rust can destroy, but store up for yourself heavenly treasure in people and places and things because when you store it in heaven, it's not lost. It's invested in order for you to enjoy in eternity. And that's who God is and it's what he's done. So I haven't missed out on anything as a child of God. I'm storing it up for being able to experience it when I was actually created to. Now life is like a probationary period that God uses to try us and to trial us, to teach us and to test us, that we would become his children. The sad news today is that the spirit of the Father is declining in this nation. And I don't just mean like a person. I mean like God's spirit is not being received the way that he should be. And some of us would go, well, it used to be. No, 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 listen. The 60s and the 20s and the 1500s and the first century and the Roman Empire. For the heart of man has been deceitfully wicked since the day that Adam and Eve did what God told them not to. So we're not in a worse way. We're in the same way. But we need the same Savior. It's who we are. And God's Spirit is not as fervent as he needs to be, not as he once was, but as he needs to be. And the spirit of the Father is absent, specifically in our state and in our nation. Did you know that statistically, without a father, the spirit of a father, listen to me, I believe that's with a heavenly father or a physical father. My parents were divorced when I was two years old. I'm the only child of my dad and my mom. My mom remarried when I was four years old. And I thank God for my, I thank God for Tim Wilson 
who didn't legally adopt me, but took me in as his own. And I thank God that I had every two weeks, the whole weekend with my daddy. But the Bible still says that he's father to the fatherless. And God's still in the business of taking dysfunction and giving it function, taking brokenness and making it beautiful. It's who he is. He's a restorer of all things, my time, my talent, my treasure, and all the people that I could have missed out on. It's what he does. But the spirit of the father is still missing in this culture. Statistically, 70%, 70% of students without a father spirit in the house are more likely to drop out of high school. 70% more likely to get pregnant outside of wedlock or before they graduate high school. 90% of people who are homeless or runaways, 90% of them came from a fatherless home. And I could give you more and more statistics across the board, but you get that when the spirit of the father is absent, other things happen that we're never, we were never created for. Here's, what, here's the purpose of that. It's not to condemn you for your past because I've already painted a picture of what God wants to do in your present and future. That's not the purpose of this. The purpose of this is that we would all understand that we need to begin to restore the spirit of the father in our hearts and in our homes. Even when the physical father isn't there, the heavenly father is. It's who he desires to be. And when I become the child that God created me to be, then I can be the person he called me to be. The problem is we have a nation full of people, men and women alike, trying to be without becoming. They're trying to be the father, the husband, the wife, the spouse, the mother, whatever. They're trying to be the person that, that God called them to be without becoming the person that God created them to be. I've met with students, I've met with people, I've tried, I was good, I was doing this for a season. That's your problem, you're trying to be good instead of just becoming God's child. Stop trying to be good, stop trying to be better and be born again, baptized in the spirit and become a child of God. That's the only answer for the world's issues. God is the solution. The spirit of the father is what's wrong with who we've been, who we are currently and who we will be without him. It's the spirit of the father. But the good news is, number one, I become who he is when I believe in him. And, and when I say I believe in him, I don't mean just like I agree there's a creator. That's not what I'm talking about. I become who he is when I believe in him. When I give him my whole heart, when he has my life. No matter what my past looked like, my upbringing looked like, or even my present situation looks like, I inherit the spirit of my father. And I believe, hear me, I believe that God wants to use a remnant, a small portion, to reach the rest. And I desire to be part of that remnant. God does not need a multitude to make a difference. He just needs a remnant. If there's just a remnant inside of you that would repent, if there's just a remnant of, in, of individuals that would come into this place and be who God created, if there's just a remnant of a spirit-filled church in Eunice, Louisiana, if there's just a remnant of individuals that could give or serve or invest in 250 kids who are coming up here this week, who knows what they went through before they come in, but when they come into this week, then they come into this place, they're going to experience the spirit of the father and the father's house and children of God and know that they have a place to belong whether they're seven or 77 God called you his you just have to receive who he is when I 
believe in him, like give him my life, my whole self. I'm not talking about half-hearted. I'm not talking about like, yeah, yeah, I agree with this whole Jesus thing. No, no, no. Jesus is not somebody you agree to. Jesus is not somebody you try. He's somebody you surrender to, someone you choose. See, you don't do that for a season or for a moment. The question is, whenever, when everybody else is following Jesus for what he can do for them, where will you be? Will you follow Jesus not because of what he can do for you, but what he has done for you? That's who the Christian, the believer, is supposed to be. And when we do that, I believe that God can take a remnant. God can take a remnant. And he can fix the rest. He can reach the rest. He can restore the rest, redeem the rest. Even the years that you thought you lost because the locust came in, because the enemy came in and tried to consume what God had already given to you. I exposed the enemy today and restore seven times what had been taken away. That's who God is. I become who he is when I believe in him. Solomon wrote about it. I'm going to read through these verses quickly. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1, he says, My child, it's going to be really important in the second point. But you to understand that he's, he's giving an identification right here. Solomon is communicating an identity, which is extremely important for such a time as this. In every generation, but specifically in this generation. You need to communicate identity. Communicate identity. Because, listen, because we have a generation full of people who are confused about their identity. They're confused about their attraction. They're confused about their affiliation. They're confused about their calling, about their purpose. They're confused about why they're here. The reason that they have all of this confusion is because they don't understand their identity. Because when you understand who you are in Christ, then you will stop trying to be all these other things that you were never supposed to be. When you get your identity right, it will affect your action. And Solomon says, my child, my child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart, not in your head. Don't just know them. Don't just agree with them. Believe in them. Store them in your heart. Don't just hold them in your hand. Wave your Bible around at everybody else that you think you're better than. Store them in your heart. Let them affect you. If you do this, you'll live many years. Well, I know good people that died early. That's because from an earthly perspective, death is the end. But from a heavenly perspective, death is what we were created for. Death is just the beginning of what we were created for and walking in the fullness of God and the full knowledge of God every day, every moment for the rest of our existence. See, this life is more than a moment. If you do this, you'll live many years. You'll have eternal life. Your life will be satisfying. You can lay your head down at night and fear not. You can lay your head down at night and have peace. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Boy, the church could use a dose of that. Just a bitter pill, but we need to chew it up and let it just let it just simmer. Like we need to chew that pill up and just gargle it for a little while, because we can be spirit filled. We just have a hard time being nice. Come on, somebody! Like the world is actually kinder than we are. A waitress is nicer than most church people, and they're just trying to make a tip. We're trying to change eternity. We need to wake up and let our loyalty and our kindness exemplify our character in Christ. That's who we're supposed to be. Let loyalty and kindness never, never leave you. Even when you're ticked off. Oh, I done said it. Even when you get irritated. Even when they cut you off. Come on, somebody. <laughs> never let loyalty. Never let loyalty. You know why so many people leave the church? Because they see more loyalty in gang members than they do in the children of God. 
They see more loyalty in the Crips and the Bloods than they do in the, in the children of God, in the saints of God. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Let them be tied around your neck as a reminder. In other words, don't talk about people if you're not talking to them. Because if you have that thing tied around your neck, that's what you will be hung by if you decide to go in that direction. Let loyalty and kindness never leave you. Tied around your neck so it holds you back from going into places or speaking into things that you don't want to be and you weren't created for. Tied around your neck so it'll stop you. Write them deep within your heart, like beyond the surface level. Let it change who you are from the inside out. That's the problem with good works. When you start trying to be better, you're trying to affect your spirit from the outside in. But if you'll let God get inside of you, then he will affect your spirit from the inside out. It's what God desires to do. Write them deep. Verse 4, then you will find favor with both God and people. Well, I don't care what people think. You better care what people think because you're going to give an account of what people thought about you. You're going to give an account of whether you were a witness, a good example, or whether you neglected and were a bad example. And I don't know about you, but I believe Ezekiel when he said their blood is on my hands if I'm not the example I'm supposed to be. I don't want to sit at the great white throne judgment watch people be cast into the lake of fire because I had a bad attitude. I want to be kind. I take responsibility. Now listen, I'm not going to chase after you. You leave here, I'll call you a couple of times, make sure you're okay, make sure it wasn't something I could have done better. I'll say, I'm sorry, what can I do to fix it? But if you just keep on running, there's going to be a point where I say, okay, man, we got five to 700 people that actually want to be ministered to. I'm not going to chase you to the end of the road. <laughs> I'll chase you to the end of the driveway. If I catch you, I'll trip you and drag you back. But if you keep on running... There's a time, I'm not saying that you have to live your life to please people. I'm saying that you, could, you should care what other people think of you. Because that is your witness to that individual. It matters. You can find favor with both God and people, not one or the other. And you can have a good reputation. Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not part of it, but every part. Your faith, your family, your finances, your future. Trust in God with everything. Don't be offended by some things and encouraged by others. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. I, I've been preaching. I just hadn't been here. And I came in on fire this morning. I'm excited about it. Don't, do not depend on your own understanding, but seek his will in all you do. Seek his will in all you do. You want God's, you want God's direction for your life? Then seek him for his direction for your life. Seek God's will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Don't be impressed with your own success. Don't be impressed with your own accomplishment. Don't be impressed with your own performance. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Verse 11, my child, just reminding you of your identity. Even though this is a little difficult, don't reject the Lord's discipline. And don't be upset when he corrects you. Man, I know we laughed at the three-year-old T-ball story when he started crying because he didn't catch the ball. Actually, because he avoided the ball like he was scared. Like, I ain't raising no sissy. I ain't got time for that. <laughs> and we laughed at that story. But listen, whether we're 333 or 83, we do the same thing when something bad happens. We do the same thing when God tries to teach us, train us, correct us, or discipline us. We look up into heaven like God quit existing just because something didn't go our way. Well, God, I just believe for you to... Okay, well, keep believing. Maybe his direction is better. Maybe his ways are still higher. Maybe his thoughts are still higher. Maybe he has more than you could even ask, think, or imagine if you'll just walk through the moment. we got to trust God, especially when it's the most difficult. 
His teaching, his training, his rebuking, his correcting, his discipline. It's not, it's not against us, it's for us. It's because he wants to teach us and test us and mold us, sometimes even by fire. But listen, when you're willing to walk through the fire of God, the fire of persecution turns into fire of purification. And that which you needed taken off of you is cleansed off of you. You come out on the other side refined like gold. And then God can actually use you for his glory. Don't be afraid of the fire. Don't be afraid of the testing. I know that's easier said than done. I get mad too. I'm not standing up here on this holy platform. I told you all the dumb stuff I've done. I give you 57 more of them in the next five minutes. And I'll probably do three more this afternoon. That's why God gave me a prophetess to warn me and help me and accountability whether I like it or not. Come on, somebody. It's the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you for the Lord corrects those he loves. In other words, if God didn't care, he'd leave you alone. And if you don't sense correcting and teaching and training in your life, then that may be a prophetic warning in your life that you're not really allowing God to do what he really wants to do in you. Well, I'd rather God just leave me alone. No, you wouldn't. Because you don't want to experience what it is to be fatherless, truly. I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about spiritually. He's a father to the fatherless. And when we submit our character to him, we submit our desires to him, he has the right, he reserves the right to correct those that he loves just as a father corrects his son or his child in whom he delights. I didn't correct Gabriel because I was mad at him. I corrected him because I believed that he could have caught the ball. Listen, God corrects you because he believes more in you than you believe in yourself. Don't get upset. Answer the challenge. Be encouraged. Be motivated by who the Father sees you as. I told you we, we went on vacation. Uh, my birthday was last week. So I'm very grateful for Pastor Scott Holmes and his leadership in this district for Pastor Bud who came in on Wednesday night when I was preaching at camp. I really didn't mean to make those things back to back, but that's why uh, I don't normally schedule my own stuff because I make a lot of mistakes, a whole lot of mistakes. Um, and then I'm, I'm grateful for Pastor John and the team holding everything together that Wednesday night before. And hey, by the way, I missed this earlier, but congratulations to our newest daddy in the room. Come on, somebody, Pastor Will. Look, Kenley May. It looks nothing like her mama, and she's still pretty. It's amazing how much that baby looks like him, just as beautiful as can be. She's going to be prettier when she grows up. It's going to be good. Uh, there, there's, that's a, a good thing. A vacation with your family, ministering to your family is a good thing. And, and we were planning that vacation, and our kids were excited about going to the beach for the first time. We're going to the beach for the first time. We're going to the beach. It's so fun. I can't wait to get to the beach for the first time. And I was like, guys, y'all been to the beach before. Like, Adeline, you've been like three times. No, I haven't. Never been to the beach. I'm like, baby, you just don't remember. And Megan's like, yeah, yeah, first time. And she's looking. I'm like, baby, it's not the first time. They've been, I don't know why I feel the need to correct eight, eight six, and five-year-olds. I don't know what it is inside. They're like, no, Daddy, never been to the beach. And I'm telling them stories about, and Megan's like, prophetic warning, stop. Stop. Let them think it's the first time. So I saw her, and I've learned at this point that I should start to adhere to the prophetic warning. And so I was like, oh, she's shaking her head no, and I'm like, oh. Oh, you know what? It is the first time you've ever been to the beach. This is going to be the best week of your life. First time ever on the beach. And, and they were really excited until Adeline found out that we were leaving on Sunday and we weren't going to the beach on, until Tuesday. 
So we're leaving Sunday after church. We're going to drive to Johnny and April Hunt's house and hang out with them and, and see my, my youngest brother, my dad's youngest son, and, and his wife and hang out there for a day. But really the reason we weren't going to the beach until the next day was because Pastor Johnny asked Daddy to play slow-pitch softball. She didn't know that. She, we were trying to explain. She was like, no, no, no. And then, and then all of a sudden it registers. She's like, wait, you're going to play softball? And her, her words, verbatim. Why are you going to, you're 35, why are you playing softball? And I was like, first of all, I'm 34 until Sunday. Get it right. If you're going to correct me, at least be correct, okay? Secondly, watch your mouth. You're entering disrespectful right now. Uh, and third, I still got it. I'm telling you. Like, you see that ring on your mama's finger? Yeah, the Houston Astros bought that ring. I paid for it, and I got it, and I still got it. It's still in here, baby. You're going to come to my game. You're going to watch daddy. Okay, I was right after, until the second inning. And then I started to cramp up in places I forgot I had. Come on, somebody. <laughs> By the middle of the second game, I'm, I couldn't stretch enough. Like, I, I, if they had pickle juice, I'd have put it in an IV and just got the salt into my... I could not get loose. I couldn't stay loose. I threw my shoulder out. My arm is hurting. My legs are cramping up. I almost pulled my hamstring jogging to second base. I wasn't even running. And it got tight. I'm like, oh, I got to come out. They're like, you're the youngest person out here. I was like, yeah, but I'm the most worked. I promise. Like, not really. No, I'm not. Y'all work way harder than me. Get me out of the game. Thankfully, Adeline wasn't there. What I realized was not only was my eight-year-old correct, um, but 35 is not 25. <laughs> what I learned is physically, I'm not as strong. I'm not as fast. I don't recover as well. I'm not as agile as I used to be. Physically, I'm getting weaker, but I have learned that I don't have to succumb to the physical because spiritually, I can always continue to grow stronger. Number two, if you're taking notes this morning, when I trust in his spirit, I grow stronger. I grow stronger when I trust in his, we're talking about the Father's spirit, not just a physical father. I'm talking about the Father's spirit, sons and daughters of God, the Father's spirit. And I grow stronger when I trust in his spirit. Jesus is probably the best example here. By the way, real quick, throw up that slide for our Devo this week on new version. If you want to have influence, which all of you do, it's just whether it's positive, negative, temporary, or eternal. We all have influence. This is a devotional this week, learning to lead like Jesus. I'm talking about the Father's Spirit. You can download this on your version. If you don't like this one, pick another one. Just do something with us. Aim for every day and make sure that you get at least four days. We're going to continue this habit, building upon this habit. This is our devotional this week. But I grow stronger when I trust in his spirit. Jesus himself, in Luke chapter 3, meets John the Baptist and has him baptize him in the Jordan River. The Bible says that John the Baptist takes Jesus, baptizes him in water in the Jordan River, and he comes up out of the water, and the Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove, okay? The Holy Spirit is not a dove. He descended like a dove. Dove come through fields. We shoot them and grill them, and they taste very good. Uh, we don't eat the Holy... Well, actually, we could eat the Holy Spirit. But you know what? They're both like a dove, okay? So just let the dove consume you in September, and let the Holy Spirit consume you every day. He descended like a dove, and you have this monumental moment, like this mountaintop experience. And then here's what we see in the scripture. We hear the voice of the Father. We hear the voice of God. 
saying, this is my son whom I love and in whom I'm well pleased. Now that's really interesting because Jesus has not done one thing up to this point to earn God's pleasure. He has not performed one miracle. He has not gone out and healed one person, raised one person from the dead. He ain't even turned water into drinkable wine water at this point. That's what I believe it was. You can believe what you want to about that. He hasn't done anything to earn. In other words, God's desire, God's pleasure with his son was not based on the performance of his son. God's pleasure with his son was based on the fact that he was his son. This is my child. You are a child of God. To those who believe have been given the right to be called sons and daughters of God. This is my child whom I love. Why do you love me? Because you're mine. And on whom I'm well pleased. Why are you pleased? Because I love you. That's what God is saying to his son. And that's what God says to those who are in his son. The Bible says in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Man, I love, like, Wednesday night was awesome. Baptized in the Holy Spirit. 70 students. Evidence of a prayer language that they, they didn't formally walk in. Confident, excited. Like, we, I was so glad I wasn't a dorm counselor because I know I roused those kids up so much, ain't no way they went to bed Wednesday night. <laughs> they had a blast. Well, the Bible says Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was then right there in the next moment, led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He wasn't led onto the platform. He wasn't led back into the kingdom of God immediately. He was led into the wilderness, the wilderness of rejection, the wilderness of loneliness, the wilderness of starvation, the wilderness of thirst. You know what I see? Is that Jesus did not base his belief in God on what he felt physically. He didn't base what he believed God was able to do on his physical character. He was full of the Spirit. And he let the Spirit lead him into the wilderness. Not the platform, not the promotion. What was this purpose? Why were we here? 40 days later, after 40 days of fasting and prayer, we see the devil himself. Now listen, many of us have accused the devil of, of fighting against us. But we need to remember that the devil is not omnipresent. There's only one devil. He can only be in one place at one time. God is omnipresent. The devil is not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful. He's not omniscient. In other words, he only, he's not all-knowing. The devil only knows what you show him. He only knows what you tell him. God is all-powerful, omnipotent, and omniscient, all-knowing, and he still loves us. <laughs> the devil comes up to Jesus, and he makes the same mistake that we make often. He looked at the physical and attributed God's ability in the spiritual he thought because Jesus was physically starved, physically thirst, physically lonely, physically Jesus was in the wilderness and he was weak and tired. 
And the devil thought, I've got him, he's weak. But what he didn't know is that Jesus had been spending 40 days in the presence full of the Holy Spirit. And the only thing that he had eaten was the spirit of his heavenly father. So the devil thought, I've got him because physically he's weak, he's exhausted, he's done. But what he didn't understand is that spiritually he was full, he was fulfilled, and he was ready. And the devil himself tempted Jesus in what he thought was his physically weakest moment. But what he did not realize was his spiritually the strongest moment that Jesus could have possibly been in at that time so the next time that physically you feel weak you feel exhausted you feel tired you keep stumbling in the same sin in the same place over the same thing how about we fast and pray and spend some time in the presence of the spirit of the father no matter what we feel like physically we can attribute God's ability to who he is spiritually and we can face the temptation of the devil himself and come out on the other side. Number three, as the team joins me, i got to close this thing out. I thought these were cool. Um, I want to make sure all our dads get one of these. Uh, and then for anyone that's not a dad, if you want to stick around after the third service, I just want to make sure all our dads got one first. We've got one more service. And I thought this side is really neat. It's a knife and uh, a beard trimmer, obviously. That's what that is. And then a fingernail file, which I'll never use because I bite those. And, uh, and then a can opener, which, uh, or a bottle opener, which I won't probably use that either. Um, but it's there in case I need it. What I really liked was this part. Because I believe when I know my father, and I'm not talking about my earthly father. My earthly father passed away way before anybody expected him to, including himself. By the way, you're not promised tomorrow. That's why the grace of God is sufficient for the day. But you are promised eternity. If you, number three, connect to God. Connect to the Father's Spirit. This, this Father's Day, we've got all kinds of things going on. Fatherlessness across our state, across our nation, around our world. But I believe that the Heavenly Father is still just as accessible today as He was when Jesus would go off into the mountains alone just to be with Him. Connect to the, the Father's Spirit. Why? So that you can understand who you are as a child of that father. Here's what he says, Romans chapter 8. Paul understood this connecting to the father. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. You're not a slave. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now this, you... You have to have been adopted to truly understand the significance of this. And I don't truly understand the significance of this, but I've seen a picture of it. When Tim Wilson married my mom when I was four years old, I became his son. Like, I became his son so much that my dad and my grandmother, who have both passed and gone on to be with Jesus, I pray, uh, they were both, like, irritated 
with how much ownership my stepfather took of me. He would call my son, Chris, da, 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 and my grandmother and my dad like, that's, that's my son, but, you know, and they would get irritated. But he would claim me and take me as his own. So I'm an heir. I'm not even legally an heir, but I'm an heir because he brought me in and he took me. And I reserve the same right in the life of my stepfather, Tim Wilson, even though I'm not his biological son, I reserve the same right in his inheritance, in his house, and in his heart, as Kelsey does, and as my youngest brother, Caleb. You are not a, you're not a slave any longer. You have been purchased, bought with a price. You've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own. When you believed in him, he adopted you as his. And now we call him daddy. We don't call him some distant designer. We don't call him some being that created. No, we call him our heavenly father. And he is able to fill the void that earthly fathers sometimes leave behind. Listen to me, young lady. He is able to fill the void of any little boy that you think that you need in your life. God didn't create a boy for you to be fulfilled by. He gave his only begotten son so that you could be fulfilled even in your singleness. That's who God created you to be. It's who we are in Him. Because your next season is not the answer to your current situation. Your Savior is the answer to your current situation. And I can be just as content in my marriage as you can be in your singleness with Christ and Christ alone. A spirit of childhood before God. Verse 16, His Spirit joins with our spirits to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. We have the same rights to him as Jesus had. That's why there's no way in the world for me, like I am not a cessationist. I don't believe with a fiber in my being that anything has ceased because God doesn't love me less than he loved Peter, Paul, or anybody else. Mary, Martha, he loves us all in the same way and we are all, according to God's word, in fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Not in the first century, but for all centuries. That's who he is and who he desires to be. If we are to share his glory, we must also share stank. Why is that there? So I just wanted power and glory. But that's not relationship. See, relationship only begins at the first sign of conflict. You know who I have the most conflict with in this whole world? Sitting on the front row. She's really cute. I'm telling you. We have some conflict. You know I have the best relationship with? It's the person I have the most conflict with. So you wrestle with God. You ask Him the tough questions. But you believe. And you become the child that He created you to be. Don't be like Adam and the woman who began to doubt God because they were disobedient. No, no, no. Believe and become. We can speak up, we can stand up, and we can stay in the Father's Spirit, that spirit of sonship. I love what Blaine said when he was teaching this with me last year. He said the spirit of sonship is not limited to women or men, adults or children. The spirit of sonship is not based on who we are. 
The spirit of sonship is based on whose we are. We are children of the King when we believe. Would you bow your head, close your eyes with me? Father, I just pray if there's anybody in this place this morning that doesn't know you, right where they sit, they would begin to call upon your name. Not even going to lead them in a prayer this morning. Just going to invite them right where they are. If they don't know where they stand in you, if they don't know whether they are your child or not, I pray right now that they would begin to call upon your name. That they would just call out to you. That they would ask for forgiveness of all the areas that we all fall short. That they would believe that you sent your son to die on a cross. That he was raised from the grave. Why? Because you don't want us to just die. You want us to live. Your desire is to forgive us and adopt us. That's your heart. So God, right now, if there's anybody in here, I just pray that they would confess you as Lord. God, take my life. Make it yours. I want to be your child. I want to live for you. Help me to follow you with all of my heart for the rest of my life. I want to invite every male in the room 15 years or older 15 years or older I want to invite you to stand right where you are if you're 15 or over if you want to stand if you're younger than that and you want to stand hey jump on up you're welcome to jump up with us I just believe that God is calling us specifically us to have that father's spirit to lead the way And stop hoping that someone else will do it for us. If you're going to lean on somebody, trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge Him. If you're going to lean on somebody, lean on Him. I just want to pray over you today. I'm calling you to connect with God and be the same for anybody else that Jesus puts in your life. See, when you connect with the Father's Spirit, you become like the Father. And you can live as the example that God created you and called you to be. It won't be because you're trying harder. It will be because you're connecting more. If you will, we do this every week. I want to invite you guys to just open your hands like I'm handing you a present. Ladies, I want to invite you. I'm going to make you move too. Just extend your hand towards all these guys. Put your hand on a shoulder if it's your spouse or your child. Just invite you to pray a blessing over them. Father, right now, I pray that we would all receive that spirit of sonship that you purchased for us. No longer slaves, but children, sons and daughters. God, I pray that our identity would not be based on who we are or what we've done, but it would be based on whose we are and what you did. God, may we connect to you, connect to the Father's Spirit, and therefore exemplify that Spirit in every area of our lives. Father, we surrender. These open hands are everything that we've been hanging on to, that have been holding us back or hindering us. God, right now, we open up to you. We surrender all to you. God, would you take it, our best and our mess, just take it and clean it up and replace it with the same spirit that you poured upon Jesus. I speak life over every single individual in this room that we are your children who you love, 
and with whom you are pleased. May we honor you with our lives and our hearts and everything that we are. Be the example you've called us to be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Come on, give God praise. Everybody stand with us this morning.